Welcome to the Global Mission Sync Podcast. This week's episode features Andy Snoke with a message called, Stand Ready to Get Moving. So I want to read you a couple scriptures tonight about God is doing a new thing. And we're all, can you sense that? Do you feel that way? Do you feel in your heart that something, how do I even, There's no, I don't even have words. Something's going to pop. <laughs> Something's going to happen. Do you feel that way? Do you have a, a feeling that, I don't know, it's like a woman that is pregnant and she's overdue and she's uncomfortable and her back hurts and, and uh, you know, she can't sleep and, and uh, because she's a couple of weeks overdue and she's waiting for a birth and, and she's anxious and impatient and so is everyone around her and people say is the baby born yet i remember debbie was a couple of weeks overdue with her first son and it got to where it bugged her where people say how are you feeling she say, i'm feeling fine and they say oh i'm sorry we want you to have a baby you know we want you to get moving here but do you feel like there's something there about to give birth amen like we're coming up to the moment of birth. There's several verses in the Bible, I won't have them printed out here, that, that talks about, God said something like this, I think it's Isaiah 26, he said, I'll put it in my words, I didn't bring you to the moment of birth and I'm not going to stop things. I didn't bring you this far to stop. Amen. There is going to be a great birth in the church. Amen. Revelation 12 talks about that woman, the church, bringing travailing in pain and bringing forth a male child that's caught up to God. Out of the church system, there is a a Christ, the Son of God, but a church that's also the Son of God that's born. We're coming up into the moment of birth. There's many verses that talks about travail, and that's what we experience is travail. But we look to the Lord to finish the work that He has started. You know, all of us are here tonight because God literally called us. Yes. There, uh, Brian touched on it. There's nothing fleshly in this move of the Spirit that attracts the flesh. There's nothing fleshly. We don't have the best singers. We don't have the best musicians. We don't have the, we don't have the best speakers. There's a lot of things we don't have. There's, you know, we don't even have good comedians here, do we? There's nothing that attracts the flesh at all. But we have been drawn because we're drawn by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read a, a well-known verse to you, Luke, the fifth chapter, the 36th verse, Jesus speaking. Then he spoke a parable to them. All right, no one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear, and also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new, for he says, the old is better. We're all very familiar with that scripture. 
at this time, the Holy Spirit has not fallen yet. Jesus is going to the synagogue. And what they were familiar with was going to the synagogue on Saturday, on the Sabbath. And I don't know exactly how they did their services, but they would have, they were routine. They would read from the scriptures. I don't know, maybe they gave a little message or something. They would talk about the laws of God, following the laws, doing everything just right, you know, making sure that you do everything right, you follow the law. They would sing some songs. They would talk about the coming Messiah. Every week, you know, every Sabbath, talk about the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. You know, where He's our hope. The Messiah is coming. So they'd have a certain ritual that they followed every Sunday. And that's the way it was supposed to be. Jesus is hinting to the disciples that, and I'm going to paraphrase it. This is what He's saying. He's saying, disciples, apostles, people, I'm about to do a new thing. And what I'm going to do is not going to fit in what you are familiar with. I myself, I'm I'm paraphrasing all this, I myself, the Son of God, I'm going to the synagogue every Saturday, but what I'm about to do, what God is about to do, where you are at, it can't contain what God is going to do. It's not going to be the status quo. It's not going to be the same thing every Sabbath. It's not the same scriptures and the, the same rituals and so forth. It's not going to work. No one puts a piece from new garment on an old one. The reason they, one of the reasons you couldn't put new wine in old wineskins is the old wineskins, they weren't flexible. And, and there'd be some fermentation and the, the leather would get stiff and it, it wasn't flexible. And you couldn't put new wine in it. Are we flexible? I hope that we are flexible. I hope that God can move however He wants to move and we can somehow make room for it. I hope none of us... Now, I'm going to say something that we have all said, but I'm going to encourage us to not say it. I hope we quit saying, but we've always done it this way. (laughs) That's the way we've always done it. That's one of the worst things you can ever say. You know, that's the way we've always done it. The the wineskins weren't flexible. The synagogue wasn't flexible. Jesus already knew that when the Spirit of God began to move, it it would not be contained in the synagogue. They would not change their ways. There would be no room for prophecy. There would be no room for singing in the Spirit. There would be no room for, for healings. There would be no room for whatever it was the Lord wanted to do. The wineskins wouldn't flex. And I hope one of the things that we have learned through the years is that we can be flexible, mm-hmm. open to the moving and the speaking and the leading of the Holy Spirit, Amen. even in these meetings. Tonight, we had some wonderful prophecy. Brian was right in asking us all just to be silent for a little bit to try to digest <laughs> what we heard. And it was actually like that because we heard a lot of really heavy-duty things tonight, believe it or not, already in prophecy. If we went went to our wounds right now, we have already been overfed more than we could, more than we can eat just through the prophecy. But we're not always comfortable doing that. You know, we, we, I'm not saying anything wrong. But as Brian was sharing with us, we, we like meetings where we come in and we start singing and hear some beautiful music. That's all good. 
But the Lord doesn't always move that way. And we have to be willing to be flexible to move in the way that he wants to move. There's a, I made a note one time. Let me find my notes here. I don't remember where I was. I, I take my, my Bibles on my iPad, it's on my phone, and I can put notes on it. And I was somewhere, might have been India, I don't know. And I made, just made some notes about the new wineskin, about this parable of the wineskin. What are, what are some of the things that are different in this new wineskin? You know, uh, again, when I say these things, I don't mean it as a way of judgment. Uh, I grew up in a church, good church, and you, on, on Sunday, you went to church, and they gave you a bulletin every Sunday. Bulletin. Uh, hymn number 78, uh-huh. you know, then hymn number 61, and then Susie's going to sing a special, and then there's going to be a message on whatever it is, and then there's going to be hymn number so-and-so, and then the benediction, Amen. And some people wouldn't come to church, they were sick or whatever, so they would send the bulletins to their home because that, you know, it was their service right there. Not judging any of that. That's what the synagogue was though. The synagogue could have written them down and handed them a bulletin. What if God wanted to move in my old church, thank God for every one of them, what if the Lord wanted to move in prophecy? There'd be no room because it's not in the bulletin. What if the Lord wanted to change the message? There would be no room because it wasn't in the bulletin. We've got to be flexible, even in the smallest of things. So here's some of the things that don't fit, or here's some of the things that God is doing differently with this new wine. And wine is a funny thing. Wine's a funny thing. Holy Spirit, many times there's references like the new wine, like, like it may be the Holy Spirit. I always thought about that. There's similarities to it. And Jesus is here talking about the new wine here. Now you think about wine, you know, I don't drink. You don't drink, hopefully. But anyway, what does wine do when you begin to partake of a lot of wine? What happens to you? You become another person, don't you? You know, if you drink too much wine, what happens? You become another person. You start talking different. You start acting different. Not in a good way. Not in a good way. When you begin to partake of the wine of the Holy Spirit, you start acting different. You start talking different. People can look at you and say, that guy is different in a good way. And this new wine, I want to talk about some of the things that is part of the new wine. These are things I just scribbled down some time ago. The new wine of the Spirit is plurality of headship. Plurality of headship. You know, we every one of these you can talk all night about, but there is a headship in the church, ordinary men, and there's no chief, there's no boss. We have local elders, there's no boss. They're plural, a plurality of headship. That's, that's part of this new wine. Part of this wine is learning to submit to authority. Like I said, we can talk about this all night. Submission to authority, submission to authority in the church. And I don't mean that you have people walking around and they're the boss and they're beating you up, but we need to recognize God places authority in the church. Amen. We need to recognize God places authority in the home. Amen. 
He puts moms and dads, dads and mothers in the homes. And there's authority. It isn't just do what you please. Just do what you feel like doing. And we learn to submit to authority. This new wine is the importance of the ministry of the body to minister to itself. This is a big one. This is one we've been hearing a lot about. This new wine, this new thing that Jesus is doing is a ministry of the body to minister to itself. I'll pause there in just a moment and tell you and remind you that when the Holy Spirit began to move, it came, fell on the day of Pentecost. People were filled with the Spirit. 3,000 people were added to the church. The Jewish people were added to the church. And they went to their synagogues. And this is exactly what happened. The Holy Spirit began to move in their synagogues. And they didn't fit anymore. And they struggled with their old tradition and laws. And the church almost split because Acts the 15th chapter, the, the, the believing Jews said, you know what? We go to synagogue and we've been circumcised and we follow these laws, but the Jew, the Gentiles aren't following them. And we think in order for them to be saved, I'll put it in my words, they need to fit in the same mold that we're in and follow the, the same rules and regulations. In Acts the 15th chapter, the apostles got together and they said, no, you don't. I'm going to paraphrase the whole chapter. We must be led by the Spirit. Amen. And exactly what Jesus said right here happened. It didn't fit into the synagogue. So what happened, these Jewish people began to go everywhere preaching the gospel and adding to the church. So moving on, some of this new wine, it's having, oh, this is an interesting one here. The traveling ministries and elders should not be the focal point of the service. Interesting, huh? What we, we need the apostolic eldership the local elders, just like we need a father in the home. But they shouldn't be the focal point of the service. That's a tough one, because we all want to be entertained. We all want someone else to do the talking, do the singing, and we all we got to do is listen. All we got to do is listen. There was a time when every one of us were little bitty babies, and our moms and dads actually took a spoon, and they fed us. But that was a great thing. But if you did that all your life and you never matured and you could never feed yourself and then come to the point where you could feed other people, how sad that would be. We've all grown up. We could feed ourselves and not only that, we can feed other people. The elders and the traveling ministry shouldn't be the focus, the focal point of the service. Tonight we had it. We had prophecy. Prophecy came from the body of Christ. What's prophecy? It's God speaking. We heard God speaking to us tonight. And I just pray that God gives us ears that we can hear these things. Okay, this new wine is the exercise of spiritual gifts inside and outside of the church meeting. And we still need help with that. We need the exercise of spiritual gifts and we need wisdom on how to, many of you have been prayed over, how do we exercise those gifts that he's given us? How do we exercise them in the local service, but also outside the local service? And I don't even know how all that works. But it's, when God gave you a gift, I don't think he gave it to you like just for you, like Christmas, he gives you a gift and it's yours. He gave you a gift to use with other people. And we all have different ways of ministering, but whatever gift God gave you, there's a place where we need to be using it with out there, with other people. 
And uh, the Lord has to give us wisdom with that, how to pray with people and how to help them. And we ask that God give us wisdom for that. Uh, another one is, uh, what part of this new wine, is allowing the Holy Spirit to lead the worship, or the whole service. Allowing the Holy Spirit to lead the worship. You, you have to allow the Holy Ghost to lead. As powerful as the Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit still moves in a gentle way, and you have to allow the Lord to work. I wish that the Lord would come down on every one of us and overwhelm us and make you speak like the oracles of God or whatever it is. I wish God would just do that. But he doesn't. Not very often. Sometimes he does. Sometimes you've heard people say, you know, I just couldn't even be quiet. I just had to prophesy. That's great. But usually the Lord whispers to you. Whispers to give this. Do that. Do this. Say this. Say that. Share a scripture. Whatever it may be. Allow the Holy Spirit to move in a worship. And, and I don't know how to say this either. But it's kind of like Brian said, when we sing songs, even if it's the same song you've been singing for years, learn to sing it, how do I say it, by the Spirit. Let there be genuine worship in your words, in the music that you sing. Let it be a a love song to the Lord. Here's another one, part of this new wine. Spiritual worship, getting away from a routine. Spiritual worship. Spiritual worship can be singing at the old rugged cross. Spiritual worship can be singing a brand new song. Spiritual worship can be playing the key of D on a guitar and just singing praises to the Lord. Spiritual worship, however the Lord moves. Spiritual worship. And God has touched us, blessed us, and anointed us in different ways. If you have that gift of of singing in the Spirit or in leading the worship, just just use it. Not everyone has that. Use the gifts that God has given you. I'm not a singer. I can sing songs, but I'm not a singer. I was singing. Something got a hold of me, and someone said, I sure wish I'd let you go. But that's, that's, that's okay. But learn to worship the Lord. Okay, here's another one. Here's another part of this new wine. Uh, let's see here, financial stewardship, which is tithing. You want to be successful in life? I'm not talking about being a, a rich millionaire, but you want to be successful that there's more uh, money at the end of the month than there is month at the end of your money? You, you learn to tithe. That's right. I, I know that sounds so simple. You tithe, and God will take care of you. Amen. You tithe, and God... He won't make you rich, or he might, but that's not the goal. He, When you tithe, that's part of the new wine, you've entered into a spiritual contract with God. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's literally a contract. You read that in Malachi, the third chapter. You agreed to do something spiritual, pay your tithe. By the way, let's back up a minute. What is tithe? It's worship. Yeah. It's worship. Mm-hmm. You know, you come to church and we worship at the beginning, and every time we give tithes, that is worship to God. 
You're, you're worshiping Him by giving the first fruits of your week, which happens to be Sunday, the first day of the week. You're giving Him the first fruits of your labors, your tithe. When you pay those tithes, things just seem to work. They just seem to work. I, I'm not saying you're not, you're gonna, you won't have a catastrophe or anything like that. You will. But God will always be there to take care of you. Because He promised that He would. Tithing, I mean, we could ask for testimonies tonight and we'd be here to midnight. Just talk about the testimonies, how God has taken care of us. I, I used to laugh before we've tithed from day one. And one of the things that God did for us is, Everything just worked. Everything just lasted. Our furniture wouldn't wear out, you know? There were times when we, we wanted to replace furniture, but it was perfectly good. Styles had changed and everything, but can't get rid of this couch. It's perfect, you know? And, and it, it wouldn't necessarily fit with modern days. We had a avocado green washer and dryer Maytag for 26 years. 26 years. Avocado green, ugliest thing you ever saw. That washer and dryer just would not quit. We would have loved to have replaced it and got something more stylish, but it's working. Our clothes are clean. And after 26 years, I had a little problem with it, and I had someone look at it, and I found out it actually would have been fairly simple to fix. And I traded it, got rid of it, and we got a new washer and dryer. That was my opportunity. I could, I, I probably could have had it today. I don't know. But God just would bless things, and that's what He'll do for you. He'll, He'll bless things that you have. Brandon and Donna are here, and Donna has a story about her mom years ago. They didn't have a lot of money, like a lot of people, and they had a Ben Her freezer, 1947 or 48 or something like that, and a. Ben Hur freezer. Everybody got a Ben Hur freezer? <laughs> you know, never heard of them. And it quit working. And he was a pastor. He didn't have a lot of money. And uh, so his wife told him, "Honey, we're going to lay hands on that freezer and ask God to bless it." <laughs> so they laid their hands on the freezer. They prayed for the freezer, and that thing worked. How long did it work, Brandon and Donna? Yeah, <laughs> another 20 more years. It's one of those old freezers that the old freezers weren't very uh, efficient. The lights would dim when they plugged it in and the compressor kicked on. But the thing kept working for another 20 years, a Ben-Hur freezer. But point I'm getting at, you pay your tithe, God will take care of you. He'll take care of you. You'll be different things, but he'll take care of you. This uh, this happens in North America. It should happen everywhere. But the congregations forward funds to the central fund of that country. Uh, here we send our funds to Canada uh, and other countries. When we go to India, the Philippines, Africa, we teach them to set up their own fund in their own company and a portion of their local church funds goes to that fund to help the people in that country. It's a real simple principle. But that's part of this new wine. Pursuing holiness by all members of the church. Teaching people holy living. Pursue unity of mind and spirit among ourselves, among the elders, among the members of the body of Christ. Someone read the scripture in our prayer meeting before, quoted it, 1 Corinthians 14. So, you know, we often think, how should a local church operate? Is there any 
is there really a description of how a church should operate in the Bible? You know, we, we've got all of these things out there, but what, what does the Bible say about how a local sh- church service should operate? Is there a blueprint? Is there a pattern? Is there a description? There is. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. I'm going to pause her for a minute here. What he's saying is when you come together, you, all ha- you should all have a little something. Yes. Something to give. Yes. Let everything be done for edification. And he talks about prophecy and about tongues here, and he goes on about that. We all may prophesy one by one, that all may learn, that all may be encouraged. But he gives a description of how the church should operate. Now I'm going to go to just a couple more scriptures here. Uh, Numbers, the ninth chapter, fifteenth, ninth chapter, fifteenth verse. Now I'll cover this quickly here. Now on the day the tabernacle raised up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony, from evening unto morning. It was above the tabernacle like the appearance of fire. So it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, after that the children of Israel would journey. And in the place where the cloud settled, there the children of Israel would pitch their tents. At the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey, and at the command of the Lord, they would camp as long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle that remained encamped. I'll pause there for just a minute. Whenever that cloud stopped, they had to stop. Whenever that cloud moved, they had to move. No different for us. Sometimes it feels like God's moving has stopped, but it hasn't stopped. He simply said, stay here for a while. And that's okay. But I would just guess that whenever the cloud began to move, if someone stayed in one spot back then, when the cloud began to move, I'm going to say there's some people that said, you know, I'm getting pretty comfortable where I'm at. I don't think I want to move. Maybe we're getting comfortable where we are. And maybe that cloud is getting ready to move again. I mean, there's this sense in our spirits that, The cloud is getting ready to move. I don't even know what that means. But the cloud is going to move, and we better be ready to pull up tents and stakes and move with the cloud. As God moves, we move. It goes on to say, verse 19, When the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord, and they didn't journey. So it was when the cloud was above the tabernacle a few days, According to the command of the Lord, they would remain in camp. And according to the command of the Lord, they would journey. So it was when the cloud remained only from evening unto morning, when the cloud was taken up in the morning, they would journey. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud was taken up, they would journey. So this kind of tells me that when that cloud moved, it, always, it wasn't always a convenient time to move. And you know, when God begins to move, move, when He begins to move by His Spirit to a different, not a different direction, but He picks up and begins to move, it may not be convenient for us. But our responsibility is when God is moving, we move with Him. 
when he stops as much you can't move that cloud when the cloud stops you can't say okay the cloud's not moving we got to think of some ways to move it now we got we got to change some things up here we got to i don't know get a better speaker get some better singers get some better musicians i don't know the cloud stops so we got to do something here we got to we got to think of something we got to be clever we got to move the cloud. We got to we got to move the hand of God. You can't move the hand of God. You just got to follow the hand of God cuz he's going to move. Amen. Amen. And sometimes that cloud would move in the middle of the night when things were not convenient and people were saying, "I'm sleepy. I'm tired. I don't want to get up and get moving. I just want to stay where I'm at." Sometimes that would happen, but when the cloud moved, they were commanded, "Get up." Pull up your stakes. I'm not saying you get up and move geographically. However, sometimes you have to do that too. But nevertheless, when he moved, they had to move. So whether it was two days, a month, or a year that the cloud remained above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would remain encamped and not journey. But when it was taken up, they would journey. At the command of the Lord, they remained encamped, and at the command of the Lord, they journeyed. Now, that's so important. At the command of the Lord, they remained encamped in one spot, and at the command of the Lord, they journeyed. I think that we've gotten real good at the command of the Lord of being encamped in one spot. I'm just going to say that. I'm not even going to explain it. But we need to be ready at the command of the Lord to make a journey. We need to make a command, uh, be, stand ready to, when the Lord commands, to get moving. Whatever, whatever that means. I'm not even able tonight to explain to you what this means. But when the cloud moves, we have to move. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord and by the hand of Moses. And I feel like God is saying that to us too. There's a cloud and it's going to move. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.